Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. Tony Hackett is my name, I'm your host, and on this episode, my guest is Amy Yu, who is a co-founder and CTO at Ventura Medical. Their team of biomedical engineers, healthcare and business experts are committed to setting a new standard of neonatal care. They are a Melbourne-based medical device company with a vision to address respiratory distress in premature babies. This condition remains the most common cause of death within the first year of a newborn's life and is widespread amongst the almost 15 million premature babies born each year and exists within nearly all babies born before 28 weeks of pregnancy. So let's get to it and meet Amy. Amy, it's wonderful to be speaking with you again and it's been a little while, a lot going on. The medical field generally has had a whole stack happening where you focus looking after babies and and making sure babies looked after okay. I'm sure there's a lot going on there. Maybe I could ask you to kick us off by taking us through the last year and what's been priority and how you've been managing. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. With COVID-19 and everything, people have definitely realised how important medical technology is. And we've noticed a growth in awareness, particularly in the area that we're working in, so respiratory support. People hear the word respiratory and they ask if our device can help COVID patients. Our focus is not really in mechanical ventilation, it's in the non-invasive ventilation. And so, yeah, our focus is elsewhere. However, there is a potential application there. I think we last chatted, was it mid last year? So we were in the middle of a fundraising round when I last spoke to you. So our focus for 2020 was very much closing that initial seed round. And I'm pleased to say that we successfully closed that seed round late last year. Another priority for us was to start some preclinical testing of our device, of our prototype device. And so we were lucky enough to form a partnership with a program called the Medical Device Partnering Program, or MDPP as it's quite well known in our field. And that supports the development of medical devices, particularly in that early stage innovation and development stage. And so we're lucky enough to have a 250-hour research project funded by them, which will help us get to the next stage. And so we were hoping to do that research project last year, but with COVID and everything going on in Melbourne, it had to be put on hold. And we are fortunate enough to have started it just in the past few months. However, with what's going on right now, who knows, there might be a pause to that, but we're really hoping to get that finished soon. Amy, that is a mountain of work that you've done in just normal circumstances. You've done an enormous amount. I want to come to a few of those items one by one, but first of all, I want to congratulate you and your co-founder, Edward, on recognition. 2021 Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia Healthcare and Science List. That's a tremendous recognition. Well done. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I mean, we're absolutely honoured to be recognised for the work we're doing at Ventura and to be recognised by a publication like Forbes, an international, very well-known publication. Um, Yeah, we're absolutely honoured. And it's just, it's that additional validation for what we're doing. People believe um, in our mission towards helping premature babies breathe and having that support, it means a lot to us. 
Yeah, tremendous. Let's go through a couple of things here. First of all, I'm curious, in your mind, has the problem statement changed from a year ago? No, our problem statement has very much stayed the same. um, And that's a way to improve the delivery of non-invasive respiratory support for premature infants. So our solution still very much is aimed at solving that problem. However, we are always thinking about growth horizons. So whether that's different applications for our product, whether it's potential different versions of our product in the future, those are always at the back of our mind. The point you touched on a moment ago, and you only spent about a couple of sentences, but I'd love to hear what it was like going through a funding round and the surprises for you, the process, uh, where the the core learnings were for you. What was that like? Because you're right, when we spoke last time, you had just started. Yeah, the fundraising round was an absolute roller coaster, as you can imagine. And as I'm sure most founders will tell you, it was our first, I guess, significant and formal fundraising round. We had previously received pre-seed funding from an accelerator program that we were a part of. But it was interesting to say the least. All of our meetings were over Zoom. They were all virtual. So we didn't actually end up meeting any investors in person and we had to adapt. So that meant holding online webinars instead of holding in-person events. In terms of learnings, a huge learning is that the appetite for medical device investment in Australia, particularly early stage investment, it's not quite there yet in comparison to, for example, the United States. So we did pitch to a few investment institutions and were told that we were a bit early for them, especially because the risk is a lot higher and that timeline to market is a lot longer in comparisons to other companies. So that was a huge learning. Another learning is that it will always take longer than you think. So the negotiation process, it takes a lot of time. The finalisation of signing the various documents, that takes a lot of time as well. I'm expecting the trust quotient is very difficult to achieve on such an important step for you and for the investor when it's all done remotely. Not being able to be in the room to, to read each other, I expect puts time in it as well. Lead investors mentioned to us the other week that we're the first company that they've invested in without having met the founders in person. That's pretty tricky. The technology, so the problem statement hasn't changed so much. The base technology that you're working with and to, is that accelerating in its advancement or is it more about rolling out now, not necessarily refining the technology so much? No, we definitely are still in the process of refining that technology. All of the development to date has very much been in that research and development stage, if you like. So the research study that I mentioned earlier, what our plan is to do there is to collect some data and that will help us refine things like our software and our algorithm. And we still are making some final decisions on our hardware. So very much still in the refinement stage. But one of our goals this year is to enter into that design controlled stage of development. And when you start to think about growth, how do you think about that in a maybe a one, two and three year horizon now or how far out is the horizon that you're thinking in your strategic planning? Yeah, so medical device development, like I mentioned before, the timeline is a lot longer than other companies and other fields. For us, we're hoping to be a market 
in the next two to three years, using Australia as sort of the beachhead, the launch market to, we've got the relationships with key opinion leaders here. And so being able to do those post-market studies here, that will help us in launching overseas, which we will do in our second year of launch. Do you get a lot of encouragement from government or you need to convince them to look at you and to, to pay attention to what you're doing? Because it is at such a fundamental level, important work you're doing. Medical device development and health tech in general, it's very much a focus for the government right now. They've identified it as a strategic area in where they can grow jobs and they can grow exports. And so they have released quite a number of grants that are targeted towards medical device companies, which is great. However, the process to obtain these grants, it is lengthy. And that is definitely one of the focus areas for us this year is to hopefully get our hands on some of these grants because that will help us tremendously. The organisation, I'm sorry, I forget the exact name of it, that's focused in this area, how do they play into your world and how do you play into their world most effectively? What do you mean by organisation? You put an acronym to it a moment ago, a few minutes ago in the introduction. Oh, the Medical Device Partnering Program. Yeah, could you take me inside that a little bit more? They're called the Medical Device Partnering Program. They're supported by various universities The uh, South Australian government is apparently a major sponsor, which is interesting. They're very interesting, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that program, it isn't that big in the scheme of things. Like, they very much target very early stage projects. But if you're wanting to talk about larger organisations, there's MTP Connect, which run all of the grants. But I'm not too sure how much more I have to say about them. No, that's fine. And I think we've covered some interesting things about your business itself and the the startup. I'm curious to now talk to you about you and being a co-founder and what that life is like for you and somebody listening to this and thinking in the world we're in right now, thinking about taking that step. Can you take me through some of the things that you would recommend that people do, some of the cautions and some of the encouragements? Yeah, sure. I mean, the day in the life of a founder question, that is something that I get asked all the time, whether it's from friends, whether it's on panels that I speak on. And it's a really tricky question to answer because no two days are ever really the same. What we're doing, it depends what phase of the business we're at. So when we were fundraising, our focus was on preparing all the documents required, practicing our pitches. These past few weeks, we've been very much focusing on testing of our prototype. And so that's where my focus has been, particularly as the CTO. But general day-to-day tasks, it's working closely with my co-founder, Edward, to plan out timelines, to plan out what exactly needs to be done and at what times in order to reach our goals, organising meetings, replying to emails with our contractors and our partners. It's applying for grants, like I mentioned earlier, applying for approval to to get through a clinical study. That's something else that we've been doing recently. But general advice to aspiring founders, I think for me, I can't really give advice on for someone who, you know, is in a standard or a full-time position at another company. And if they were wanting to quit their job to become a full-time founder, that's 
kind of hard for me to give advice on given that I became a founder straight out of university. But regardless of that, I think you need to understand the risks involved. Being a startup founder, I think, I don't know what the numbers are, but a very high percentage of startups fail. So knowing the risks, be prepared to work without a salary. So be prepared. Have a really good understanding of whether your idea is worth taking to market because as founders, we get really attached to our ideas and we want to see it through. But if you don't have a really good understanding of your customer and whether they are willing to pay for your solution, it's not going to get there. And a final piece of advice would be don't underestimate the power of networking. It's quite general advice. All the things that we have achieved have only been made possible through our networks. So, for example, our lead investor was a connection through someone we knew. When we've needed help with for example, regulatory approval questions, we've been able to access that through connections. So our mentors and advisors have been absolutely fundamental to our success. It's interesting you you talk about the basics, I guess. And when I think about what it is you're doing and the way you go about it, when we spoke originally and now, there's such a deep passion when you're talking about, and it must be difficult to step away from that passion at times and to make some difficult decisions. Do you and Eric, as your co-founder, do you have a different strengths and weaknesses? Actually complement each other that way or do you both need to keep the other in check on certain areas? No, we do. We actually have quite different strengths and weaknesses between the three co-founders. So there's Edward, he's the CEO, and Alan as well on our team. He's got more of a business background. So Edward and I, we have engineering backgrounds, but even then we have quite different strengths and weaknesses. Alan bringing the business perspective on board, he has that expertise in being able to fact check our financial models and analysing our market and things like that. What do you enjoy doing most? If you could just do one thing, what would it be? Good question. I really enjoy working with our product developers really closely and going through that iterative process of prototyping because looking back at our first prototype and comparing it to where it is now, it's amazing. We're really proud of what we've achieved. Do you differentiate in your mind when you say prototype, do you think of experimentation differently or do you think of experimentation as being part of the prototyping or you don't think about experimentation? as? No, we test after each iteration. So there's very much experimentation in between prototyping and during. Right. When you think about uh, global markets, and I, I did pay attention when you said before that we're maybe a couple of years away from being there, do you have to start planning for that now? Do you have to start planning for channels, distribution, or that's just a little too far in the distance for you? I mean, we've started planning our early strategies and how to reach those global markets. But for now, I guess our focus is very much on R&D, as well as understanding our first markets. So that's Australia and the US. Understanding those first and then, yeah, we'll we'll start developing those detailed strategies for other global markets in the near future, I'm sure. Have you started looking for different data to support your decisions or same data and you're looking at it differently? What sort of data? Well, say for a market, for example, The question came from talking with another founder just recently on a podcast. 
launch in the next couple of weeks. And he was talking about over the last year, his team, they've ended up with so much more data than they had a year ago. So technology's changed, their view of their market's changed, but at a granular level, that consumer behavior data that they never had before. And that's, yeah, it's, it's changing the way they're thinking about their progress and their future. Yes, data, but I think more so processes and how things are done in hospitals. There's very much been a a shift towards evidence-based care rather than relying on a clinician's years of expertise. So being able to provide clinically useful information for the clinicians to make their decisions on. That's brilliant. Amy, that's probably a a pretty solid place for us to to close today. It's been wonderful to catch up with you again and to hear your story isn't just continuing, but the amount that you've crammed in for the last nine, 10 months is just amazing. What a fantastic startup. And it was great to hear from Amy. As always, I appreciate your feedback. Thanks for listening and bye for now.